0: I know how to start the show.
1: Let me ask you a question. All right. Why bad movies now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And just like that, we're going to scrap the whole fucking show. (laughs) Oh, sweet Jesus.
1: <laughs> it's going to be a good show.
0: Hey, listen, the show about the worst of 2022 should also be our worst show.
1: Yeah, why not? Yeah,
0: well, why not? I'm, I'm going to open a beer, or get just shit-faced, and, and get this podcast done the right way.
1: We're going to get our dogs running around back and forth.
0: Yeah. And we're going to have all the background going to out. Turn on all the fans. Turn off my microphone. I'm going to record it right into the iPhone, <laughs> the way podcasts were truly meant to be recorded. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Gritty Reboot. I'm Pedro.
1: And I'm Meredith.
0: Uh, today, as we've mentioned previously, is the worst of 2022. Um, fantastic year for movies, but with every year, there will be giant pieces of shit dumped upon our chest during the year, cinematically, of course. And uh, this year, obviously, no different. Uh, Quite a fight when we had to narrow it down. Uh, This time, we've we've done a conjoined 10 list, a a bottom 10 for the show, uh, as opposed to last week how we did uh, five for each. So this is our general consensus on what's the worst of the year. Yeah. And I I know before we got started, there were a couple of movies that I wanted to mention as uh, dishonorable honorable mentions. And I know one of them is a Thor 4, and that's a Thor uh, Love and Thunder.
1: Yeah.
0: Chris Hemsworth, uh, who might also appear later on the list, a little spoiler for later, a little tease. Uh, did not have the the best year in in 2022. Uh this this is certainly not the worst comic book movie, but I also take in like level of disappointment into like how I factor a movie for the worst of the year. And uh Watiti. Uh Watiti, right? Taiki Taiki Watiti. Uh uh Wasabi. He came into the movie.
1: So disrespectful.
0: Is it so disrespectful? Well, okay. So this director, whose name I cannot pronounce, every time I'm, I'm going to look at you, I'm going to give you the point. And go say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously the last pairing here between Hemsworth and uh Takia, Taiki, Taiki. Taiki. Are you what sure are you? that's right? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> Taiki was. Fantastic! I think it's one of the highlights of the MCU, the, the their first pairing, which is um, Ragnarok. Yeah, I thought using Chris Hemsworth's natural comedic talents, great idea. This movie was very much written as a comedy, and it ended up being a really bad one. See, yeah. I think he brought his, the director brought his sensibilities to Ragnarok and made it his kind of movie, just kind of putting his comedic touches on it.
1: So fun.
0: But having like a comedy written for that purpose, the magic just was never there. And, yeah. and I'm not saying it's a complete train wreck, an awful movie, it's worse than Ghost Rider or no. Fan Force Stick or anything like that. Like I said, I'm factoring my disappointment in it as well. Hemsworth is a, a, a fantastic performer and actor. He really is. And him being on the worst of this list is not a... A condemnation of anybody really on the list, to be perfectly honest. It, it, it really isn't. It's just about sometimes artists get together and they make crap. Yeah. And that's all that happened. They got together before and they gave us one of the MCU's highlights. And that's not what occurred this time. It was really one of the, the lowlights of the MCU. So that, that that's another one. Uh, Blacklight. This is uh, an unforgettable film.
1: Liam Neeson.
0: Starring Liam Neeson. So unforgettable. I fell asleep, woke up, and I didn't really miss anything. I think the highlight of the movie was us making "Is he going to find cum on the sheets?" jokes with his blacklight.
1: Yeah, we made a ton of blacklight jokes.
0: Yeah, that, that's really all, all there is to it. Just we're talking about this is not even like reheated Taken Three stuff. This is just like sub Liam Neeson level. Yeah, yeah, th- this is like a movie that stars Billy Zane, not a movie that this stars. This movie's Liam beneath him. Yeah, I mean, it might be beneath Billy Zane for Christ's sake. This this is not a good film at all. Uh, not even really worth talking about. Uh, Moonfall. Moonfall. Moonfall is the one that almost really made the list. That yeah, one, that yeah. was the one that really almost made the list. Because this is uh, Roland Emmerich, Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry, um, Samuel Tarley from Game of Thrones. Sorry, I forgot his name. Not important. He, the, he's not bad, but the movie stinks. I like a dumb blockbuster. I do. A dumb, over-the-top disaster movie. But Emmerich, you're fucking pushing it. Like, holy shit. This was maybe the dumbest film he's ever made. And this guy has made some absolutely idiotic yeah. cinema. The, the, <laughs> I mean, it stretches credibility, which is, I mean, fine. You don't have to do that. But, like, nothing's sort of realistic it's in the It's hokey. Movie. Yeah.
1: Everything's just, hokey.
0: Yeah, and not in the fun sort of, like, like the room kind of way. It's more just, like, this feels like a sci-fi movie, like a, a sci-fi channel original movie just blown up. Yeah. And, pff, you know, it doesn't even have the sort of fun and camp of, like, Mansquito or, you know, that kind of Saturday afternoon sci-fi channel kind of fair. It's just because it's Hollywood, it ends up, well, being sort of pretty at times, just ultimately pointless and dull. Uh, another one that we want to talk about, Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot. Now, this is deserving to make the list, in my opinion. But we're not going to talk about it necessarily because we're going to do, not this coming month, but probably the month after that, a big breakdown of the reboots throughout the Texas Chainsaw series, and we're going to talk about this film um, pretty significantly being a requel. Just a really disappointing installment in the long-running franchise the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And like I said, I mean, it's a long-running franchise, and this is one of the lowlights. So just just something we don't really recommend anybody see. Uh, Another one I wanted to talk about, uh, Marmaduke, which we will talk about. I didn't realize they'd they've adapted Marmaduke already in a live action film with Owen Wilson in the role. This oh, was a I
1: don't want to do that movie. No,
0: this was maybe the cheapest animated film I've ever seen um with everyone completely miscast. I, th- there's some other name actors in the movie, but Marmaduke is played by Pete Davison. This is <laughs> it, it's a movie that sort of has to be seen to be believed on how really like awful it is. Yeah. But like I, because I don't know if this movie was sort of made as like a tax shield or if this was like a front for a mafia organization is why this film got made. I don't know. Then <laughs> that's why we're not really putting it on the list because I'm not even sure I saw a movie I didn't have a fever dream about what a Marmaduke movie might be in hell. But and I don't even like have esteem for the Marmaduke character. Yeah, I don't Who either. Gives a shit. But I mean, if you are, I mean, this this has to be your Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it? definitely. Yeah, it's got to be your Dragon. Ball I don't
1: Ball remember evolution. a thing about it.
0: Yeah, it's got to be your Street Fighter Legend of Chun Li. Yeah, we wa- I know it's bad because our five year old was like, "Can we watch something else?" Yeah, and she's like, "Can I read a book?" You know, that's when things are bad. Yeah, just just re- truly forgettable. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to highlight for dishonorable mention is Blonde. You wanted to talk about Blonde and how you hated it. Yeah, I don't want. I want. I want you to tell the listeners how you felt about the film.
1: Well, Blonde is the movie about Marilyn Monroe, and uh, one of the things that I hated about the movie the most, and I thought the most distracting about the movie, was her accent. Anna de Armas has an accent, and she did not try to stifle that accent or try to- She
0: tried to stifle it. She
1: tried to sound- She attempted. Soft-spoken like Marilyn Monroe does.
0: She tried to attempt to soften the accent.
1: But she just- Failed mm-hmm. miserably.
0: She pondered about thinking about attempting to trying to stop her Cuban accent from bleeding through. Yeah. It it didn't bother me at all. And it, it, it just, I don't know why, but it I did not bother me. I know it, it was like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, because that's not years.
1: how Marilyn Monroe sounds. You have to sound at least somewhat close to what the original person sounded like. Like, what's his name that played uh, Johnny Cash?
0: Oh, I was about to say Joaquin.
1: He doesn't necessarily look the part, yep. but he sounds the part.
0: Yeah, and I think like Austin Butler doesn't always look like Elvis, but he did a nice job trying to kind of get the cadence of him down yeah. in the movie. Um, these are, I, I can, these I, are
1: huge I, figures in American pop culture. You can't just treat them like they're nothing.
0: Yeah, but to some extent, I don't. I don't necessarily mind about that because this isn't a hyper-realistic portrayal of Marilyn Monroe's life.
1: It's not. It's more like a fever dream of hers.
0: Yeah, th- this is like sort of a David Lynch nightmare. Like um, her drunk. This is like Fire Walk With Me, except if it was about Marilyn Monroe. And and that's kind of how it feels. I mean, sometimes it it, it shifts into being... A twinkly dream and some of the highlights of things that occurred to her, but the movie has some incredibly vicious and gut-punching lows and some things that are disturbing and, and sort of ter- and sort of scary, terrifying. I think the the movie really has a large uh, a large bed of emotions it, it wants to put you through in its two and a four, two hour and forty five minute runtime.
1: But it also forces those emotions down your throat.
0: I did not feel that way. Yes. This movie was my cup of tea. This was a disturbing sort of alternate history look at sort of Marilyn Monroe. Because, I mean, a lot of the things that occurred in the movie never really happened at all. And that doesn't bother me. Like, I've watched a ton of historical movies that aren't based on anything at all. I mean, like Braveheart. And they just fucking made most of that shit up. Yeah. you know I mean, that, that, that's okay. You know, I, I always chuckle at Michael Bay's um, Pearl Harbor. Because, I mean, like, there's a scene where... Roosevelt, as played by John Voight, stands up and says, we're going to attack the Japanese and hit them hard. It's such a great scene. Never fucking happened, but it's a fun scene in that movie. So that's sort of the way I look at it. I I didn't go into this as a true, like historical kind of drama. This is the way it was. But, you know, like I said, it giving me a darker sort of disturbing tale, you know, a a non-traditional narrative. It's almost things I'm obsessed with and also obsessed with Anna Day. Well, it's
1: different than what was advertised.
0: Yeah, but say if you really thought you were getting a traditional, uh, traditional Oscar biopic, no, that you were not getting that at all. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, this is like said more of a a David Lynch light kind of nightmare. So, listen, I I, I didn't. It's too long. Well, I will agree with you there. It is too long, but I did enjoy the movie, and honestly, I really did like her performance. I don't think she held anything back including her accent. Um, I don't think her performance
1: was that bad. I yep. just think that the accent hindered it for me. So if she was to be nominated for Best Actress- She is. Right. Yeah. She is. She is. I would have a problem with that. Yeah. Because I That's, think- I was just about to ask you that. That her performance is good, but the accent brings it down for me.
0: Yeah, there's a number of like notable actresses this year. and
1: There's so many.
0: Yeah, who, who aren't going to get a, a nomination. Uh, the actress from Till, her name just escapes me. She was, I, I thought she was a shoe and she did not get a nomination. Um, we have not seen The Fableman, so I can't test to it. People say Michelle Williams is just fine in that. And Ana de Armas, who I, I'm a big fan of, I can certainly understand this not getting a nomination for the reasons you talked about. Yeah. You know, if you're going to play an actor, you want to disappear and kind of be him. And you know, with her Cuban accent, it was a little bit difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So it, it is what it is. I, I still think it's a movie worth checking out, but I, I'm not going to say everyone will love it. Yeah. All right. And with that said... Uh, It's time to talk about uh, the shit of 2022. My son sacrificed his life to save me. These powers are not a gift.
1: All right, we got Black Adam.
0: Number 10.
1: Number 10.
0: (laughs) So what to say about Black Adam? This is not... not The worst comic book movie ever. As a matter of fact, it's very, very watchable. And I I think that's one of the reasons I'm highlighting it here is because this is a movie that really shows you what The Rock is about. And he's just trying to sort of crowdsource the ideas for like the most watchable and digestible movie for the most amount of people. And he's done that for a long time. And this is that style hitting a comic book film. And it's just a wave of vanilla coming at you.
1: This movie had a two hundred sixty dollar million dollar budget. What do you think it grossed? Let's play a game while we do this.
0: Oh, this was a this was a fun thing because I know they argued back and forth about what it grossed. Let's go the rock and the internet. Basically, let's have
1: you guess domestic and then I'll tell you worldwide.
0: Domestic. I, I don't. I don't think this movie broke two hundred million dollars domestically.
1: You would be correct.
0: Yeah. I, I, there's no way it did that. Uh, over, I, I'd put 180 tops.
1: 168
0: million, 152 thousand, Okay, okay, so okay, I, I was, I was, I gave it a little bit more credit because I remember when it came out, it did really good. It did a solid opening weekend, a very good opening weekend. But then nobody cared, and I think our our exposure to it was when we went to go see the menu at the drive-in. Yeah, I could kind of glance over at the noise that was Black Adam yeah. from the the screen over, and I kept looking at it like, oh, Pierce Brosnan's in that, cool. And and that was, and he's the best part of this movie and the rock isn't shitty or anything in this movie. He's not terrible, but I mean his fingerprints on it leading to another just watchable rock movie is very unfortunate.
1: Yeah. This movie is directed by Jamie. Call Sarah.
0: Yeah. I, I think, um, Jami, it could be Jami. Yeah. I think he'd worked the rock before. I'm not real certain. He, um, I mean, he just kind of directs a real lifeless kind of movie. It's a movie that feels like it had seventy million dollars worth of reshoots. I know that was a rumor that went on about it. Didn't test very well, and you know, sort of seeing it now, it, it it does feel like I said a very generic, almost sort of parody of what the modern comic book movie has become. You know, The Rock's dive into the genre should have been a real triumph for him. It you know, it really should have, and it's a shame that it, it, it's not even a low light. It it'll barely be remembered in this pantheon of comic book movies that we got in this new millennium, nobody's even going to remember this. Because people talk more about things like Ghost Rider because it's so laughably bad. Yeah. But no one's going to talk about, you know, a, a middling cinematic achievement like like Black Adam. You know, the, the Shazam's bad guy getting his own movie and the budget run amok.
1: My biggest problem with the movie was the fact that like the rock is a charismatic guy oh,
0: that's yeah, what absolutely. he does
1: that's why he was a wrestler he was so good at being a charismatic guy a charismatic asshole and you can't get any bit of his personality or charisma in this movie no he plays not at like all. the most boring superhero supervillain whatever you want to say i mean it's just so by the numbers
0: mm-hmm. yeah cuz he's trying to be like an antihero doesn't really care about being a superhero and none of that really works because you know he's always going to make sure the world is saved at the end of the day but
1: even when the writing tries to give some life to the the character he doesn't react at all yeah like a normal human being would
0: yeah i i think it's a real missed opportunity like i said i don't know what the director told him on those days and anything like that but nothing about this really came together to make Anything memorable in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Like, this is the one movie of the year. If you skipped it, you're not going to miss anything. You could watch... The only interesting thing in the movie is when Cavill shows up in the end is, as one last gas with the old Zack Snyder Superman. And that's it. Yeah. And that's all it was. It was the, the, the bon voyage to that universe because... This movie would basically allow for James Gunn to come in and take control of the DCU, which is something The Rock kind of wanted to do with. And if this was the movie he was going to do it with, not even close, buddy. Yeah. Not even close. This this is just better left forgotten.
1: Next, we have... Remember that story that they told us about in training? About George Washington's first female spy during the revolution? They called her Agent 355.
0: There you go. Oh, yeah. This is um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger, Jessica Chastain, in Simon Kinberg's, I wrote and directed this, The 355. American. I, uh,
1: and Bing Bing and Sebastian Stan are also in it.
0: Yeah, Sebastian Stan from uh, The Winter Soldier as well yeah. is in this. He's, he's very good. Director is... Simon Kinberg. Simon Kinberg. Simon Kinberg. Simon Kinberg. So, Simon Kinberg... Okay, first off, I... I love Jessica Chastain. She is one of my favorite, if not my favorite actress right now. I've been a fan for a, a number of years, and I feel like Jessica Chastain was watching Atomic Blonde, and she called her agent and go, hey, I want that. Give me that. Yeah. And this led to, there was a movie a few years ago called Ava, or where she is an assassin, I believe. And that movie is also really lousy.
1: Yeah. Really I don't is. even think
0: I don't even think that got a theatrical release. It, it's just that's a different mess. That that movie is half of unengaging crime thriller and then a strange family drama that don't come together at all. It's a, a really weird mix. But the three five five is for twenty twenty two, and I know this movie was delayed a couple years because of COVID. It's just maybe the most by the number sort of spy story, most by the number sort of spy action movie. Yeah, and it's so unremarkably made. Yep. I think that's really the, the best way to put it. Simon listen, directors and actors need to work well together. And Simon Kinberg is not a very good director. Before this, I think he had brought us X-Men Apocalypse and the second Dark Phoenix story.
1: Yeah, because I didn't feel their chemistry.
0: No, 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 no.
1: They didn't have any chemistry.
0: Yeah, and he he worked with Jessica Chastain and they on Dark Phoenix. And they'd started developing what would be like the 355 because she wanted to do like a female action-led movie. And I, that's the worst thing she could have done is pick Simon Kinberg because he's just awful. He really is. As a director, like, I mean, he I know he's been a part of some scripts that have liked the Days of Future Past, the X-Men movie that Brian Singer directed. And, and that's, basically, that's basically how he got his opportunity to direct these kinds of movies. And with that opportunity and a, and a pretty nice budget and fantastic cast – I mean, I'm trying to remember like plot points of the movie, and nothing is really coming to mind or sticking with me.
1: No, uh, uh, Sebastian Stan, he uh, he plays the the foil kind
0: of. Yeah, he, he's he, yeah he ends up he's a red herring. Well, he ends yeah. up dying in the beginning in a very unconvincing fashion, and and then turns back up later. And of course, nobody really dies in a convincing fashion. And he's the bad guy. The movie is PG thirteen which is a a kind of a strange decision. I mean, I understand where it's going, but this isn't a movie aimed at kids. No. Like, this isn't a movie for, like, young girls or young guys to go see that's disposable. Like I said, this is kind of a spy thriller with action elements, and that's not something you want to have a PG-13 for. I think you need a movie that feels a little bit more mature, which this doesn't at all, and a movie that has maybe a a bit more adult content to sort of kind of chew on a bit. Mm -hmm. This movie doesn't have any of that. Like I said, it's just it's kind of there and, like, waste fantastic performances from, uh, you know, like I said, a really nice cast.
1: Out of all four of the girls, who do you think was the best actress?
0: The best actress? I mean, I'm always going to say Chastain. She, I mean, she has to sort of anchor the movie and she's the only reason the movie can pick up any kind of weight or gravitas. But, like, even in, in the action. yeah, I
1: thought Penelope Cruz was, was pretty good. I thought she... Handled some comedic moments well. and
0: Yeah, she does have, I think, probably the best written role in the film. Yeah. Yeah, she, cause she actually has some character. Yeah. You know,
1: she, she has, has to, has to, a to grow. Yeah. Son. Like
0: Jessica Chastain kind of just has spawned in at like level 99. <laughs> yeah. She's already this badass and uh, it's not really concerned about anything. And it, it's kind of the same way like Diane Kruger's character. She just kind of spawns in. She's got a dark backstory. Eh, it's not that important. You know, and, you know, they're sort of untouchable except for when they fight against each other. And even, you know, with the fighting, as it said, the action sequences are so poorly done. Yeah. I think I-
1: Cut, cut, cut,
0: cut, cut. Yeah. I think I counted like 21 cuts in maybe like, I don't know, a 20 second fight sequence between Jessica Chastain and a guard.
1: Yeah.
0: As I was watching, I was like, cut, 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 just counting them, going down the line. I was like, it's just one of those kinds of movies. Truly just forgettable, unremarkable. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think probably the, the best thing about the movie is the terrible costume choices they gave some of the actresses in the movie, especially the lead, Chastain.
1: Yeah, they make them look kind of frumpy.
0: Yeah, she has that weird Carmen Sandiego uh, yeah. kind of costume. It's like she just walked out of a Duran Duran video. It's, it's, it's very strange. You know, how they have her, like the opening action sequence of the movie, Jessica Chastain is running around in a sundress. And it's not comedic in any way. It's like, it's not sort of played for laughs or anything like that. It's just, it's just there. Yeah. It's just there. And it, it doesn't make her look. If you're trying to like, sort of say, Hey, I'm an action lead. You want to have things make you look cool, make you look tough. And that doesn't really happen in the movie. Cause even if she did some choreography and fight training, you would not be able to tell with the editing. There's maybe one extended sequence where she fights a guard And it maybe goes on for like 10 seconds and she pulls some moves. And I was like, hey, wait, one nice little sequence. But the movie never, ever stops to do that, which is a shame because we saw so many other female-led action movies like Gunpowder Milkshake and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston made a movie like that as well. I can't remember. But both of those had excellent action sequences, even though they, they weren't particularly great movies. But at least I could depend on them for good action. This movie didn't even have that. And that's why it's on the list.
1: Okay. Before we go, $75 million budget. It made $27 million, basically 28, almost 28 million.
0: Oh yeah. The guy. movie, the movie was dumped to die. Uh, it, had, it had been in production for a while. Like I said, I'm a Chast- Jessica Chastain fan. So I remember seeing the trailer sometime during the pandemic, like, oh, we're going to release it. We're going to release it. And then it just went quiet for like a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, like she just started talking about her Instagram. Cause I guess the studio said, Hey, we're dumping this in like three weeks. Yeah. Promote it if you want. We're not. And then they very much did, and the movie came and went without really uh, any fanfare. Unlike this movie, which is basically our nominee for the movie that so many people went to see, and we don't understand why. I wanted to show them. It's something.
1: very Resident Evil of them.
0: Something that was real. I was
1: trying to get at my nostalgia
0: yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's all its all Jurassic World ever wants to try to do is try to play on my nostalgia. Creation. Sam Neill, Lord Dern. I forgot his name. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Sorry, i driving up. Jeff Goldblum, Chris Bryce Pratt. Dallas Howard. And Bryce Dallas Howard. The Spawn of Ron Howard. Lord Dern. Colin Trevorrow's We're directed. we here forever. Jurassic World they Dominion. We're never gonna see her again. We gotta protect her. That's our job.
1: Humans and dinosaurs.
0: So this movie made like a billion dollars, I think. Spoiler.
1: <laughs> this movie had a 185 million dollars budget. Makes sense. Looks good. It made a billion dollars. Yeah, it made world
0: just world world. over a billion bucks.
1: Just a little bit.
0: Yeah, because I remember I was I was telling you that somehow Colin Trevorrow gets on that list of directors who directed a billion dollar film.
1: But it made only 376 million domestic.
0: That's a good chunk of change. The Rock would kill for 273 million like
1: worldwide on man, Black Adam. It killed.
0: Well, yeah, everyone loves the dinosaurs. Everyone loves the Jurassic Park. Yeah. IP, they really do. But I'll be honest, I thought the first movie was watchable, passable, I had some nice moments. I kind of enjoyed the goofiness at the end. And there's a few things here and there that I enjoyed in the, in the movie. You know, I, I didn't realize it was to become a, a massive hit, but I knew I'd get a sequel. I, I didn't care for the sequel at all. You know, I, I preferred The Lost World over that. And this movie is the low point of the entire franchise. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd watch Jurassic. I'd watch The Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 five times in a row before I'd watch this thing again.
1: Yeah, another unremarkable movie. Um, a lot of things were kind of laughable. Like the, the mo there were moments where we were supposed to be taking everything seriously. Yeah. And it was hard to take it seriously.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Chris
1: Pratt would do his little thing with his hand.
0: Yeah, because now everybody can put their hand up. Yeah, and, sort of and calm it's the like dinosaur. ridiculous. This, this movie is just a fucking mess, man. I, I don't know what they are trying to do with this franchise. Other than just try to punch my nostalgia boner as hard as they can, yeah. Because I mean, that seems like that's the only real move that these movies have. Every now and then, you'll, you'll find an inspired action sequences because because Trevorrow can direct a pretty nice action sequence. But other than that, I mean, you really won't find a whole lot in in the movies.
1: And they is, get is, is everybody back. Substance. They have Laura Dern come yeah. back. They have Sam Neill come back. They have Jeff Goldblum come back. Yeah, it should be an easy win. And this just, this just isn't, it it doesn't do anything. I like Jeff Goldblum and I like all those people, but yeah, it's a waste of their time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's good to have everybody back, but you know, once again, none of this really adds up to anything. It's sort of strange. You have a movie with this sort of apocalyptic scenario where dinosaurs are invading everywhere. Yeah. They're just showing up and yeah, we're having to deal with them in day to day life. And the movie just isn't that concerned with that idea. Yeah, you should be, like, murdering them all. Yeah, and I, I kind of find that so baffling at the end of the day about this movie. Because the movie is ultimately about these killer locusts that are going to destroy the crops and endanger the food supply of mankind. And I'm like, what about the fucking thunder lizards running through the goddamn heartland yeah, of America? Yeah,
1: T-Rexes and stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: I would— I th- are th- breeding and having kids. Yeah, I, I think that's a much bigger deal about having to run into families of Velociraptor. I mean, that's not the end of mankind. But it's going to change how we do things in the world if there's creatures like that that can easily kill a human. And like, they're looking for them, or like
1: how the movie opens with the giant crocodile-like beast thing yeah. in the ocean. I mean, you're going to have those out running around out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can't you can't afford to have that kind of stuff. I just, I, I just, I watched the movie, and I I hate to judge a movie for what it isn't. But I was just watching this really dull kind of blockbuster with fantastic effects, by the way. I do want to say that. Dinosaurs look great. And I just wished for a more interesting film that that, that it only kind of flirts with. Instead, we get uh, another thriller where they're trying to stop an, another corporation from doing some evil stuff with DNA. Yeah. A, a story we've seen a lot. Except this time, they've made them uninteresting bugs and locusts are the killer. I mean, granted, that's a scary idea. And there's a couple cool sequences about the bugs, but... All in all, I mean, it's so ultimately disappointing for everything this could become. You know what? Fuck this franchise. I like one movie in this franchise. Fuck Jurassic Park, the franchise. Steven Spielberg and Michael Crichton, to a lesser extent. Well, I guess he did create the whole thing, but I I like Spielberg's movie much better than Crichton's book. It's an amazing cinematic achievement. Like, the power that's still in that movie, the majesty of those 30-year-old special effects. Yeah. They look fantastic the movie feels amazing to watch it's a great story and because that was such an amazing movie that lit the box office on fire and helped change the way that movies are made really ushered in a cg even though really if you watch jurassic park it's a great combination of cg and practical effects they go together brilliantly in the film because of that i've had to watch movies that i truly loathe the lost world i guess a passable jurassic park 3 if laughable and then Jurassic World, what comes back to passable, the high point of, of the rest of the franchise, and then into the directs again with these last two movies. I want to put this franchise to bed. And it's not going to go anywhere because people won't stop going to see yep. these movies.
1: That's why I said it's like Resident Evil. Yeah. Oh, I, I love Resident Evil. I do too. And I They yeah. destroyed that love of if any kind of cinema for that.
0: We didn't even talk about Resident Evil this year, and they got a terrible TV show that shat on what... Their fans are all about. Yeah. And we, we, listen, we're doing a Resident Evil episode. It's coming later in the year, so we'll break it all down then. But I, I, it's just, it's a shame. Like I said, I love this one movie, and I'm going to pretend that they stopped right there. Because who gives a shit about any of these other sequels?
1: Next. <laughs> I,
0: have it, I have it. I have it. I have it. Focus. Right here.
1: Oh. I have a little drink. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I <hear the> <laughs> <laughs>
0: is that not how that goes? No. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Yumi. me. Oh, all right. Number a- seven. Don't worry, darling. So we have um, Chris Pine, Harry Styles, of course Florence Pugh, and the director Olivia Wilde.
1: And Shia LaBeouf's in this movie.
0: He is are. not in this movie.
1: He is not in this. He
0: movie. is not in this film. You saw this movie. And he's not in this movie. He was, He's high, He's supposed to be the Harry Styles character. Yeah. So it, it, this. All right. There was a lot of controversy about this movie. There was a lot of stories that came out that Olivia Wilde wasn't running a particularly good set, a lot of rumors. She was sleeping around Harry Styles. Yeah, that that took precedent over it, that Florence Pugh was having to direct some of the actors herself and some of the scenes. There were a lot of stories that came out, and they were denied by the studio, by some members of the crew, and, of course, by Olivia Wilde. But I will state that the one person who did not deny these claims was Florence Pugh yeah and all of this controversy could have been put to bed by one tweet from her to say like these allegations are unfounded. film productions can be difficult and sometimes stressful, but Olivia Wilde's a fantastic director and it was a good experience. She didn't make that tweet.
1: no, she, she didn't. never did She didn't choose to do that.
0: yeah, so and, and listen, you can believe what you want to about Chris Pine getting spit on in the face by Harry Styles at a premiere. I, l- listen, that's that's more you know Jewish space lasers kind of conspiracy theory stuff. I, I just I don't see it when I look at the video. The end of the day, what got put on the celluloid? Where am I, celluloid? What got put onto a hard drive was pretty laughably bad. Yeah, uh, Olivia Wilde coming off a uh, Booksmart, a fantastic little movie. She had her pick of anything she could do, and this is the script that she's like, "Bam, this got hit written all over it. I can direct the fuck out of this movie." So she picked it and put her spin on it, and it's a true disaster. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's just a um, a dull Stepford Wives retread that tries to give a level of intrigue uh, akin to some of the great mysteries, but really comes in limper than a pretty lame episode of Lost. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't really connect as, as sort of, I mean, it's better than maybe the Stepford Wives reboot. We'll cover that too, guys. But, but I mean, that's fucking low praise. Yeah. I mean, this this has such potential. And like I feel like Florence Pugh needs to have her back looked at from trying to carry this whole fucking movie. She's still excellent. Yeah, she really is, and and Chris Pine is as well. I think yeah. he's very good. His Jordan Peterson esque, whatever. I, that, that's he, neither here nor there. I, I think he does a very nice job and can be chilling. Harry Styles, on the other hand, is bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, Madonna swept away, kind of bad. Like, you know, the things you expect from an actor in a major movie just aren't there. And like, you can see Pew's like, feel this way. Like when she's like, you can almost see her face guiding him to where he needs to be. You know, it reminds me of when I I would watch plays and I would see an experienced actor dealing with someone who was new that he liked and was trying to get there. Like he was trying to, he was trying to pull him where he needed to be. And man, it, it just doesn't really come together. And then. You know, a whole movie about intrigue with a twist is stupid and lame. Uh, I, it makes you feel like you just wasted your time. Yep. I mean, and that's like I so said, you get laughable acting. And, you know, when you draw this level of intrigue, if you don't have a really cool idea about what's behind it, like the original Stepford Wives did, or something like, no, uh, not no, nope, the Jordan Peele's first movie, Get Out. Get Out. If you don't have a, a really neat twist like that, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, I mean, she had to have realized that at the the screenplay level. That's
1: what I'm most upset about is that this movie had potential.
0: Yeah. Either if Olivia Wilde, you know, monkeyed with the script a little bit, changed some things. I I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you from what the original idea could have been or what it was. I don't even know if she's credited as a writer on it, but that's not important. Either way, this idea should have just been left in the bin. You know, this is an episode of a TV show and a half-baked one at that. Mm-hmm. Like, if we were watching, like, a Twilight Zone reboot and this was an episode, I'd be like, it was all right, I guess, you know? <laughs> but as as a major movie, especially for a director who's trying to, like, pick up on the momentum that she had from a, a breakout movie, it, it's, it's another real disappointment and, I mean, just an absolute whiff from Olivia Wilde.
1: Maybe Shia LaBeouf should have been cast.
0: Maybe so. Maybe so. Would it would have maybe gone a little bit differently and it certainly would have helped with the acting. It would have helped out quite a bit. So I do want to say with, with our, our next selection here is I know we normally cover uh, movies and we've talked about TV shows just a bit. But I, I want to single out uh, this bit of, of Disney Plus and, and the Star Wars universe. I've heard otherwise.
1: I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear.
0: It's a strange thing to say. Obviously, you know, I'm in my late thirties. I love Star Wars. We lost. It's been a part of my life forever. I can't remember what anything else before I can remember seeing Star Wars. I used to love it. I really did. And now Star Wars is just a thing. That's it. It's just another IP. And l- listen, this isn't this is about, oh my God, boo hoo, he lost his beloved franchise. What what it's about is Disney having the complete wrong idea about what fans want and having no idea what they really want to do with the franchise. And I know that they had a real positive upswing with uh, Endor at the end of the year, and that's great. That's that's really good. But, you know, I want to talk about the Book of Boba Fett and the Obi-Wan series. Obviously, Boba Fett is one of the most popular characters in all of Star Wars, so it was fantastic to finally give him his opportunity and show what he can do on screen. They got the actor from the prequels to play him again. And I can't believe what a mess this show really is. Because a show about the coolest character, the coolest bounty hunter there ever was, ends up being a show with him just walking around uh, Mon Isley. He's just walking around Tatooine for some reason. And some flashbacks that show what happened to him after the Sarlacc, uh he got spit out of the Sarlacc. Yeah. And I mean that—that's pretty much it. And I think some of the Sand people, the Tuscan Raiders—I'm sorry if Sand people's insensitive—some of the Tuscan Raider stuff. I, I thought some of that was engaging. I, I liked I, that. Yeah, I, liked I did the like
1: train sequence. And yeah, stuff I did like that.
0: some of the earlier episodes. Yeah, you, you're right. I think that's good. But I mean, the series slowed down once we started getting away from that.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, like, you sort of feel like you had two ideas is they had this origin story and they had this idea of where they met Boba Fett in the Mandalorian and they kind of merged the two and neither was strong enough to really stand on their own and because of that they both really fall flat uh, because the the biggest indictment of them not having enough is in the middle of a Boba Fett show there are two episodes of the Mandalorian where Boba Fett doesn't even appear in one and appears in a scene, right? Yeah. Can you imagine If we were watching Buffy and as we're watching like a final season back in the day, all of a sudden Angel shows up with the guys from Supernatural and they're like, oh yeah, we covered all that stuff on five episodes of Supernatural earlier in the year. Yeah. Like you'd be like, what? No, why why would I watch that show? I like Buffy. I don't want to know anything about that. So yeah, the very same situation. I I had a friend and he watched the Mandalorian teaser for the new season, season three and he just sees Grogu and the Mandalorian running around. He's like, "Well, when when did that happen?" Yeah. It's like, "Oh yeah, uh, sorry. I know you didn't watch that Boba Fett show. I did. Um, they got back together in the middle of that season, and in the finale, like that's the the main thread. Like he came back to to save him. And like, listen, <laughs> that is very strange. I feel like it's almost like Disney crowdsourced in real time, like what to fix in the show and get people to watch. And so just throw the Mandalorian in there. They love that crap." And so they put that in there, and it cheapens one of the great characters in the whole Star Wars pantheon.
1: Yeah, because even with myself, um, that's when I started getting interested. Because, okay, I'm not a Star Wars person. I I grew up with it because my dad liked it and my older brother liked it. Yes. But I'm not like a big old fan. I don't know the whole lore. I don't know the backstories. I haven't read comic books. I haven't watched all the stupid... TV shows and everything. We got it. Yeah. You've seen the movies. (sighs) That's about it. Yeah. So I was excited when I saw the Mandalorian. That's when I started getting into it because I I liked the show, the Mandalorian show. It was really good. It was a really good show. show. I enjoyed every moment of it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I liked the whole backstory of the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and how political it can get. But anyways, I just, uh, that's what I took it out of it for me.
0: I mean, it's a it's a really lame excuse for a story. It barely holds up to any water, really. And even the finale was a bit underwhelming. And Robert Rodriguez's direction could barely help. Bryce Dallas Howard, who we just talked about, yep. did a really nice job during her episodes. But those were the Mandalorian episodes, which she had already worked on that show previously. So it's sort of a weird strike against it. But I want to talk about Obi-Wan now. Obviously, who doesn't love you, McGregor? He's a fantastic actor. He's the best part of the prequels. Yeah, he, he really is. He's he's by far doing the best job in those prequel films.
1: And this is one we were both excited about.
0: Yeah, we're like, hey, he's coming back. Yeah. This is pretty cool. There's a lot of, of stories that you can mine for this. And and my main complaint here is uh, similar to Boba Fett. There wasn't enough here. And this, I think, is only an eight episode run. Or, or I don't. I don't think it went ten episodes. And I mean, there wasn't enough here for God's sake. There's a Prison Break episode. That's just under thirty minutes long. I mean, for a sh- for a show that's generally supposed to be an hour, that's absurd. This should have been a two and a half hour, two hundred million dollar movie about what happened to Obi Wan in that time. Instead, Disney Plus or Disney's executives said we need something to make sure Disney Plus is the biggest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, and they put the they put Hugh McGregor in this spot. To be a TV show. And granted, it's got a pretty big budget, but not like a movie budget. And man, it shows. Because there's so many sequences of... Like the first time he fights Vader, it's just in the dark in a rock quarry. The least Star Wars place you can have a fight between two greatest adversaries in all the solar system.
1: I only liked one episode of that entire season. And that was the... I think the finale.
0: Yeah, clearly the shit they had the ideas for. Yeah, what they wanted to do from the start. Whatever was the three-hour movie that they had planned, like that was a big part of it, getting to that finale. And it was pretty cool, but there was such a slog to get there. Such a slog. I mean, this deserves to be almost number one on the list for wasting Ewan McGregor. and, And like I said, one of the greatest characters in all of Star Wars. They wasted two of them. And I don't really know why they did that. Disney has all the resources, all the money. They can get almost anybody that they really want. It's just a shame that they chose to send these two guys to do, do basically, you know, TV shows that were of average quality. Mm-hmm. You know, even effects-wise, they were just all right. You know, whether it's you and McGregor walking through cheap sets <laughs> on the Obi-Wan show or watching Boba Fett in a water tank, <laughs> healing for episode after episode. These shows were so poorly done and planned, and whatever their movie concept was stretched out to a TV show were disasters. I only can hope that Disney can can write this ship before they just run Star Wars into the ground. You know, I, I feel like Disney just has this pin. They're like, you want Star Wars? Eat Star Wars, you motherfucker, eat it. Like, that's <laughs> right where Disney's at. And man, I, I couldn't be less into the franchise than probably I, I've ever been at this point.
1: Yeah, because we haven't even watched Andor, and that's got critical acclaim.
0: Yeah, we, we watched the first we watched the first couple episodes, and then I I think we had something come up, and we just weren't able to get back to watching TV for about three weeks. And then we just didn't pick it back up after that. But what, is, what we saw was, was quality. We just, like I said, we're just sort of out of Star Wars at the moment.
1: Yeah, like, I'll be excited for, you know, another Mandalorian. But other than that, get, get away from me.
0: Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here,
1: yeah. Star Wars.
0: <laughs> Go get a job. <laughs> now we have uh, number five. Rob Zombie, the director of House of a Thousand Corpses, Halloween, and the Devil's Rejects brings you the greatest love story ever told. Oh, I I don't like the sound of that. Oh,
1: I fought for this to be on the list.
0: Yeah, you yeah. really did because I, I I didn't hate this movie like like you really really hate this movie. I, I I don't like it, so that's why I didn't fight you too hard. But
1: it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I wanted oh, wow. it to be it higher. I wanted it to be higher. I gave I conceded in number five.
0: Okay, and listen, it is what it is. Um. Rob Zombie's The Munsters, not very good. Terrible, Terrible idea to have him do. We a, talked a about it before. Movie. It, it didn't work. We're cr- summoning up that episode, but yeah, go back and uh, through the episodes. If you if you missed that one, you can listen to us really talk about uh, his movie and that directorial effort, uh, how cheap it is. I mean, <laughs> how very cheap it is. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, Rob Zombie trying to write tgif style comedy just doesn't really work at yeah, all because
1: it had a nine million dollar budget.
0: That's that's minuscule. And it is, that's minuscule.
1: Yeah, but still, it's $9 million. Like, the movie looks like a $9,000 movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, there is a lot of Party City kind of stuff in there. Yeah. But, you know, mo- movies cost a lot of money, and for what they were trying to do, they didn't have anywhere near the kind of budget to pull off what they wanted. It's a, it's a real shame. It, it really is. And, it, you know, uh, I've I've always liked the old show, and what this is is awful. But like I said, g- give that episode a listen. Where we, we really break that one down uh, quite a bit. So uh, we're going to move on also to another movie that we've covered as well.
1: <laughs> Number four. It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. Had to put it on the list.
0: Yeah. Uh, once again, very similar to the last movie. We have talked about this one at length. Um, you know, how much this movie shits on Laurie's trauma just so we can get to whatever the finale is supposed yeah. to be. Just a, a really, really unfortunate installment in an incredibly long-running franchise. Shame on David Gordon Green. Shame on him. Exactly. Alright, now to a movie that we have not talked about at all and we almost forgot was released in 2022. We almost didn't have it on our list. We're like, I oh know. yeah, we've seen that piece of shit. We, we know that movie. We got thrown Number on the list. Number three. I am a doctor. He is a doctor of love.
1: should have died years ago.
0: Oh, so we have Jared Leto in uh, Morbius.
1: Director, Daniel Espinosa. Find a cure.
0: It's Morbin time.
1: Matt Smith's in it, which I love because he's a doctor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Matt, Michael Matt Keaton. Matt Smith's a lot of fun. Andrea oh. a- yeah. a- a- Jonah. Hey, that's a spoiler. You can't tell him and Keaton's Jared in the movie. Here. So technically, Keaton in the movie makes it part of the MCU. I guess. It, no, I mean, he's in the MCU. So that does make it a part of that universe, technically. Listen, I, this movie is going to be forgotten about. This is a big budget disaster. My favorite kind of disaster.
1: Seventy-five million dollar budget. It made one hundred sixty-seven point five million worldwide. Which is seventy-three million domestic.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's pretty lousy. You, you don't you don't go to make movies to break even. You go to make billions of dollars. That's why you make a comic book movie. Th- this is, I mean, just miscast. Poorly directed. The screenplay is laughable. This feels like a a bad comic book script from like 2002. Yeah. It really does. This feels from like a bad comic book adaptation from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man era is what this feels like. And so that doesn't help it at all. Leto not understanding like what kind of movie he's in doesn't help either. I think if he leaned into some of that camp, that would help. But that's not what he's doing in that performance. Trust me.
1: He's too busy being a rock star these days.
0: He's too busy trying to goth it up. You know, and I, I it, listen, and the, him as a, him in the comic book movies has been rough. Yeah. Yeah. The rough turn as a joke, as the Joker, as a Joker, I guess, because there was another Joker film at the time. And listen, I, I think Leto got a bit of a raw deal in that one. You know, he's in a movie that's been recut and reshot all to hell. So, you know, maybe that's not all that there was to his performance. So I have a little bit of sympathy, but I, I don't have any here. There's nothing really about the Morbius character that's
1: – Interesting.
0: Well, yeah, that, or that you needed Jared Leto to play him. Like yeah. anybody could have really played this part. I mean, I mean, I know that Leto's in good shape, but, I mean, he's always in good shape. <laughs> like he's always had a great body and cut. So I, that's not really an achievement for him, so – I don't really know what, what else to, to say about, you know, Morbius. like There's nothing to say. Yeah. It I, you, nothing. I mean, I think it makes for a nice, bad movie Friday night or something like that. I think that's maybe the highest level this movie could get to.
1: And yeah, but you, would you watch this movie again?
0: Ten years, maybe. You know, because I'd be like, hey, Morbius, it's been forever since we've seen it. Let's remember how shitty it was and have a laugh at it. That's true. We do do that. Yeah, and that, that's, yeah but I mean, that's us. You know, that's about all it's worth is maybe getting a chuckle out of it. But even then... I mean, there's a lot better bad movies you could watch than Morbius <laughs> movies that are going to try to have a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, Morbius isn't that. Matt Smith tries at a few points here and there. I think him that dance sequence that he has in the middle of the movie, I think, is, is pretty fun. Uh, remember, I sent you that meme where they
1: yeah
0: you know, they they spliced in Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man three in it and made it the greatest meme in the world. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's all it is. The movie had better memes than cinema. And I think the memes are the only reason it's not going to be like number one. (laughs) It's the only saving grace that it had. And also the fact that Fox, I'm sorry, not Fox, Sony uh, re-released the film based off of the strength of those memes and sort of how ubiquitous they were on the internet at one point and only to have the film bomb a second time. That's impressive. It really is. I'll tip my hat to Sony for getting fooled by a bunch of internet trolls.
1: Yep. Next, we have our number two movie. Hello again. Sorry I'm late, Mr. Epnesty. Not late at all.
0: Let's head. We're proud of our work. Oh, this was... I, I, I didn't know what to expect going into this movie.
1: Me either. Yeah,
0: I, I didn't really know. And
1: You just put it on and I was like, okay, what am I in for?
0: Yeah, and then what I ultimately found was a very cool concept with a very talented cast about as poorly done as I've seen a film done this year. Yeah. Um, I think this movie's tone is all over the place and wrong. I think I really like Chris Hemsworth. I talked about this earlier. I think he's a great comedic performer and a great actor and a fantastic action lead. And a role like this is not out of his wheelhouse, but for for whatever reason, he completely flops in this part.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I don't know if he's trying to play him as evil. I don't know if he's like a benevolent um, just CEO who only wants to get you know the job done. I-, I don't know if he's a madman. I don't know what he is from the performance. I really don't. I can't get a gauge on the level of evil that he has. I didn't even know
1: he was the CEO until like the last few freaking frames of the
0: movie. Well, because- well, because we, I made the joke. I was like, "Well, that's the obvious thing that he's just in charge mm-hmm. of the whole thing." So we were looking for the red herring. Like, yeah. okay, what, what's it really going to be? Because mm-hmm. that's what the. And then he's just in charge of the corporation. It's all his idea. He's the one doing all the torture, and so every he makes these chemicals that are kind of unexplained, but it's whatever. And they can make you feel whatever. They can make you want to eat over and over again, horny all the time. You know, whatever. Literal you know, truth serum, and of course, there's a pain serum that keeps everybody sort of in line, and so they're treating. All these guys with this, there's they're, they're um, convicts, and this is what they do to get their sentence reducted. Yeah. Uh, reduced, pardon me. Reducted. <laughs> reducted. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they do to get their sentence reduced. I can't Spider-Man's so bad I can't fucking talk. So they do all this and the movie, I, I man, it never holds on to an idea for, for more than than really a moment. Like, you're just kind of bouncing back and forth and wasting the talents of Miles Teller, who's fine here.
1: Miles Teller is the movie.
0: Yeah, really. He's I mean, the movie for me. He's he's kind of like Florence Pugh. He's trying to put this sucker on his back and yeah. kind of carry it in the end zone. But there's nothing to carry. This movie just doesn't have any real substance. I guess the biggest twist is the romantic interest in what sent her to prison. Yeah. Because I think she always says it's a robbery. And I but
1: can't even ra- that to me was telegraphed. Yeah. Like I knew it was going to be something like that.
0: Yeah, because that's, that's, uh, sm- we've been saying smaller, but it's Smolier. I think is how is yeah. we to say it now. Uh, Journey Smollett, right? Journey. Yeah. yeah, Journey Smollett. She's, and she's really good. But yeah, and then she has this revelation. She was like, oh, I killed my baby. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes her despicable. And then she's like, I left it in the car and went to work. I was like, oh, this makes you forgetful. Yeah. You know, and it's, I was like, well, if you wanted me to hate this character, that wasn't the, the way to do it. Like if you said that, She went out drinking and left her kid at home and her kid suffocated or something. Then, yeah, that's something. But they weirdly softened it. I I don't know why they did that when the whole point was... Their love is supposed to conquer overall when they don't really have any chemistry and their love stories on the back burner. She
1: should have, it should have been like, I drowned my baby or something. Yes, it should have been something
0: like like that. Awful thing. Yeah, even if it was like postpartum or something, at least something that's truly awful. Yes, it's awful to leave your kid in a car, but that doesn't make you a fucking psychopath. It just means you're forgetful as fuck. Yeah. I don't know if it's a hot take or anything like that, but. It, it just didn't help in that moment in time when I think the movie is reaching this big crescendo of shit. And I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I don't care. And then the finale is just a system of them trading phones back and forth and raising the pain level on each other. You know, it just, nothing really comes together in this movie.
1: Yeah, it's a weird fight sequence.
0: Yeah, it, it very much is. And and I, by the way, I don't know in what world we're allowed to think that Miles Teller is going to compete in a fist fight with Chris Hemsworth. No shit. <laughs> yeah, that was that's 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 bad booking, is what that is. And like I said, then once all that's done, the movie almost has a weird comedic sequence of Miles Teller and a Journey trying to get out of the facility, and it's almost like played for laughs because like there's a a woman trying to attack him with a literal piece of shit. She's has a copy of Spiderhead in her hand, trying to rub it against our protagonist, and I'm like, what the fuck is this movie?
1: I wish I thought that. The- the boats coming, the boats are coming and they keep, he keeps flashing back to these boats coming and they're like still not even on the, the bridge yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, here comes here's the boats, the boats are coming, boats are coming. And then they start going to, okay, should we take the, this, this thing or should we take this boat? And then the bo- the boats are still coming. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a big deal because they're going to be here any minute, and they're still taking their freaking time yeah. to figure out what they're going to do. And then they finally get in the boat. As you would think, the the boats that are coming are like right up on them. And it cuts to them getting
0: escaping. Yeah, like the cops don't even care these prisoners have just escaped. They don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. He killed two people and she murdered her baby according to the law. So they should have some level of concern. They're like, no, 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 we're not concerned at all. They even let the spider head himself crash right into the fucking mountain.
1: Yeah, the plane—that's what it was. it was. Yeah, yeah. He takes he takes plane. off
0: in the plane and he crashes right into the mountain. So no sequel, no Spiderhead two.
1: I actually enjoyed that part. Yeah, like I, he did gets too. all high and just like, oh, the mountain.
0: Yeah, yeah, because he he yeah, everyone gets there. Fuck gives a shit about explaining. He's gotten too much of the serums, so he's all messed up and he crashes. And it's a it ends the movie and ended our suffering. Like I said, just a truly pointless movie. Yeah. I mean, there's so, this is such a neat idea for a movie. You can make a really dystopic kind of nightmare kind of movie about this. And like the director and the writer don't care about that at all. It's like the most surface level, I most surface level attack on this concept. And it's r- another real disappointing move for what it could have been. And considering that the same director gave us Top Gun Maverick, I feel like this movie was directed by a film school dropout. Yeah, Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I forgot his name. If you'd have told me he directed Top Gun, Maverick, I'd have be been like, no, no fucking way." This was directed by some scrub. This feels like a Kevin Smith movie from 1997, directing-wise, not writing-wise. Smith's writing would have been way sharper.
1: Can you guess the budget on this movie?
0: Oh, uh, it feels expensive. 100 mil?
1: You guessed it. Oh,
0: so they capped it right there. A no more than $100 million. Yeah. That's all you guys get to make the spider head. Yep. Uh, this is another Netflix movie that was uh, poorly thought
1: Yeah, out. so we don't have box office on Yeah,
0: they, there's no box office. So the only Netflix movie with box office was Glass Onion, and th- people wanted more of that. So no no one wanted more Spiderhead. Like same way nobody wanted more Gray Man. There's another movie we didn't talk about this year that also kind of sucked. I agree. Yeah. I didn't like that movie. <laughs> no, it wasn't very good at all. And by the way, we're going to finish it out with another Netflix gem right here at number one. step the nest that sounds like a baby
1: crying for its mama that ain't no baby I got him.
0: and cut now that was a great take we have The Bubble by yeah. Judd Apatow and starring a, a whole list of people. We have Leslie Mann. We have Iris Apatow. Karen Gillian, daughter.
1: Pedro Pascal, Leslie Mann, David Duchovny, James McAvoy, Fred Armerson, Kate McKinnon, and like a bunch of others.
0: Yeah, Keegan-Michael Keyes as well, too. Yeah. Um. Wow. I cannot believe a director who I truly admire and love almost all – well, I don't love all of his work, but – even his less interesting things, like This is 40, still have some fun moments in them and still have some things that you can see what drew Apatow to the project. I have no fucking clue why he made this movie. Yeah. Other than he just thought he could hang out with his wife and daughter for like three months.
1: He wasted all of our time.
0: Yeah, this is a pandemic comedy, and that's all it is. It's about making a, a generic blockbuster during the pandemic. That's the gag. That's it. There's nothing else yep. to it. The I mean... Apatow movies are known for their improv and you have capable performers. I think Apatow was probably the real surprise. I mean, I, I'm the me. I, I thought Duchovny was the real surprise in the movie. I thought he was actually pretty good and he was not somebody I would have expected to get a lot of comedic, uh, a lot of comedic moments from, but he did really well. I, I think uh, a, another performer who I think was, was really lousy in this film was Iris Apatow, uh, his daughter. Uh, she stunk. Yeah. She, she absolutely stunk.
1: Yeah. And
0: listen, like I think Maud is actually a pretty good actress on Euphoria, but I think Maud is wildly overrated because she is Apatow's daughter. Like I don't think she could have gotten that role in Euphoria without that level of nepotism. Mm-hmm. And yeah. obviously, here she's a nepo baby. Yeah, <laughs> Iris is not as good as Maud, and it really shows. This is she doesn't really add anything to her role as sort of a social media influencer. I think you can have a lot of comedy there, but this feels like a movie that's sort of aimed at a younger generation written by a comedy writer in his sixties. It really does feel that way. And I, I don't like it. You know, this is,
1: I don't even remember anything about it. I don't remember a plot. I just know that they were in, it's during the pandemic.
0: Yeah. And they're trying to make a movie in a castle. Yeah. And there's jokes just, about how COVID worked and stuff like that. I mean, even a guy like Pedro Pascal is wasted in this movie. Yeah. I don't even think he has a great gag in it. You know, Karen Gillian, who I think is a very gifted comedic performer, doesn't really have a lot to do. You know, I think we, I mean, I don't know. There's a scene where she pisses herself and there's two scenes of her masturbating. I don't don't really, I don't know what this movie was trying to do. It's tragically unfunny. It's the least funny film I've seen from a hilarious filmmaker in a long time.
1: Why does it beat out all the other movies that we've seen?
0: Because of the level of disappointment. And as a comedy, I think if if you don't make me laugh at least once, like I didn't even break a smile in this movie. The entire film is a cringe fest and not even like a good office episode. I mean, everything in this movie feels manufactured. I, I wouldn't believe in a million years it's from Judd Apatow, an incredibly smart and capable writer director. This doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like Netflix financed cheap crap, and it's not what it is. It's a pricey movie. I could tell; is a good budget to it.
1: Hundred million dollars.
0: Yeah, and and this could easily have been a, a nine million dollar film.
1: It grossed uh, one million dollars worldwide.
0: Well, that's it. Doesn't get theatrical release. One
1: hundred fifty-seven thousand domestic.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming other territories. It probably came out. I, I don't know. I, I know. I think Apatow does have a deal with Netflix, so I think he's going to make another couple of movies there. Let's hope they turn out. Better than this, know. but this is one of those movies that makes me really worry that Apatow is completely lost and doesn't have that ability to really make a funny movie anymore. I know it's one miss, but uh, Jesus Christ, I, I've never seen a director. Because the uh, King of Staten Island was a couple years ago, and I loved that movie with Pete Davidson that he directed, uh, that Apatow directed. I, I thought they're both great in that movie. I mean, like my mouth was just hanging open at the 40-minute mark. I was like, this is the worst comedy I've ever seen, and it's by one of my favorite directors. I just, I really couldn't, and it really is one of the absolute worst comedies I have ever seen. It's right up there with things like Clifford with Martin Short. Freddie
1: got fingered.
0: No, Freddie got fingered is a masterful <laughs> piece of art. And I I'd get you the for that. <laughs> and, and and listen, like I, I'm sure there's some homeboy out there who's man. I love the bubble. It's a great.
1: Oh, I could comedy. probably find you a review.
0: Probably, probably so. There's somebody out there who loves it, and and maybe one day it'll pick up a steam like Freddie got fingered. But, but man, I I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. I never want to see this movie again. I never I don't want to see Iris Apatow again.
1: <laughs> well, I guess uh, that's that's our bad movies of 2022. Yeah,
0: that's it. That's the worst of the year. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us here for an hour and uh, for sticking with us through basically half of 2022. We picked up the show, started doing this uh, around uh, the summer, June or July of, of 2022. So we've we've gone through half a year with you, and we appreciate anybody who's listened through that time and uh, dropped some comments and some likes and downloaded some episodes. Um, We we appreciate the hell out of it, really.
1: Yeah, we really do. And Even uh, if it's a small amount of people, it doesn't matter. We do this because we like it.
0: Don't, don't tell them it's a small audience. For all they know, we could be like the third most popular podcast in the world. I could be nipping at Joe Rogan's heels. These people didn't need to know that. <laughs>
1: well, I, I, I have a hard time lying.
0: <laughs> it's very true. You do have a hard time lying. Yeah. You're like on oh, a day, if you don't puke on me and in knives, yeah, now, something like that. Exactly. So yeah, like I said, everybody, we always appreciate it. And if you want to let us know something or you know, tell us we screwed something up, got a fact wrong, or just suggest a movie.
1: Suggesting anything to
0: Yeah. Um there's a number of ways to get a hold of us. There is number one, and that's a gritty reboot cast at gmail.com. That is by far the most nineteen nineties way to get a hold of us email. <laughs> um if you would like to try something different. We have a Gritty Reboot. That's at TikTok and Instagram. Uh, we post mostly daily there. Every now and then I take some breaks, especially lately. We've had this big freeze, so I haven't really been on there a lot. But um, it's a great way to get a hold of us and, and talk to us. Uh, you can also find me. I'm Illusionist13 at Twitter. Um, you can talk to me there, find a few of my political memes. Uh, that's mostly what I post there. I don't do a lot of the podcast stuff there. But uh, And Meredith has no socials of which to speak. No, You hate social media.
1: I will pick up a social if some people start asking for it.
0: No one's asked for it. So I think you're all so right. So I'm all right. So yeah, like I said, if you're a fan, you know, said um, I don't ever troll for this, but now's the time for it. Uh, give us a like, uh, throw us a thumbs up, rate us five stars. Please don't rate us four. You might as well just shit in my mouth. You might as well do what Judd Apato just did to the cinematic <laughs> world if you give us four stars. So yeah. five stars. Tell a friend. Tell a friend about the podcast. You can tell a friend anything, but also mention our podcast.
1: And hello, family out there.
0: And hello. I know,
1: know you're listening.
0: Thanks, mom. Yeah, it's like my mom You guys made it are listen. great listeners, yeah. too. We yeah, love I, you. Yeah, I, I think my mom just downloads and doesn't listen. I, well, I'll find out after this. She's like, I do listen.
1: Yeah, I know my older brother will listen. Yeah, I think. Hi, John.
0: I, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hey, John, how you doing? Yeah, he probably does listen. But hey, that's the year. Um, We're going to take a one week break coming up here this next week. So uh, no episode this week. And after that, we're going to come back with, uh, I don't know. Who knows?
1: yeah we'll talk about it yeah we're, we'll we start we, off strong we,
0: we have a we have a good list right now of movies we're going to do here as we pick up i guess what it'll be season two season two yeah Yeah, season two a gritty reboot and but it, we're gonna do a lot of fun so we already talked we already teased Texas chainsaw massacre that's coming but uh, we'll probably do something uh, a little uh valentine's day theme perhaps who knows who knows guys? Ugh, i hate that holiday <laughs> all right guys we appreciate you listening see ya. bye